0: Hi, and a very warm welcome to episode 170 of the Photography Explained podcast. I'm your host, Rick, and in each episode, I will try to explain one photographic thing to you in plain English in less than 27 minutes-ish, without the irrelevant details. I'm a professionally qualified photographer based in England with a lifetime of photographic experience, which I share with you in my podcast. Right, here is the answery bit. Stupid photography terms terms that don't make sense terms that confuse terms that conflict These are terms that have no place in photography in 2023. Oh no, they do not. So here are those last nine stupid terms and, and once again I'll come up with a more sensible alternative for some of these, not all of them. Here's the list first. Crop factor speedlight slash flash gun. Camera shake? Stop, f-stop, fast lens, JPEG, RAW. Now, I (laughs) I know there's only eight. I'll explain that later, but let me get into these right now. Crop factor. Yep, a nice or not so nice introduction with crop factor. Now, the crop factor is applied when you're using a sensor other than a full frame sensor. A full-frame sensor is the benchmark here, which I've covered in another episode. It's another term that I'm not that keen on. Now, a full-frame digital camera has a full-frame sensor, and that sensor is 24mm by 36mm. And this is the same size as a 35mm film negative. Now, I don't need to go over this again. Check out episode 168 for more on this. But there are digital cameras with smaller camera sensors. Now, for us normal folks, for us consumers, that will be either a cropped sensor camera, aka APS-C camera. Don't start me off on that one again. Or a Micro Four Thirds camera. I covered that one already as well. Now, the term suggests that these sensors have been cropped, which I guess they have, sort of, as they are smaller. Okay. They were made smaller, so they haven't actually been cropped, so they're not crop sensors, they're smaller sensors, that's a better term. But that doesn't make sense, that's not great either, is it? And then we have the crop factor, and this is a number that's related to the relative size of the digital sensor to a full-frame camera sensor. Crop sensor cameras have a crop factor of 1.5, and Canon haven't helped the situation by having a crop factor of 1.6. Micro Four Thirds cameras, on the other hand, have a crop factor of 2. And how these numbers are calculated, I have no idea. I mean, it can get ever so complicated. In very crude terms, I've told you how big a 35mm film negative full-frame sensor size is. It's ridiculous, isn't it? A crop sensor camera sensor, makes sense to me, is smaller than a full-frame camera sensor. And a micro four-thirds camera sensor is smaller than a crop sensor frame sensor frame camera. You see the problem. It gets worse. So the crop sensor camera, 50mm, is still 50mm. But you get the same field of view as you do with 75-80mm to 80mm on a full-frame camera, or 100 millimeters on a micro four-thirds camera. Okay, so 50mm on a full-frame camera is 50mm but 50mm on a crop sensor camera is 75-80mm to 80 mil effectively, and is effectively 100mm on a micro four-thirds camera. And that's the problem with the term focal length and the chucking crop factor, and it it makes my head hurt, and I understand it, so what chance have people got who are trying to get into photography? Now, we need to remember, crop factor does not change the focal length. doesn't change the aperture, by the way, as well, in case you were thinking. No, these things are fixed things within the lens. But 50 mil on a crop sensor camera is not the same as 50 mil on a full-frame camera. Technically, theoretically it is, but ordinary people don't care about the technical bit. All ordinary people care about, and quite rightly, is what they're looking at through the viewfinder, and they're not the same. No, crop factor, as a standalone term, does not make sense there should be a better way of describing what's happening and I'm going I'm to try and fix a lot of these problems. Okay, next one, speedlight slash flash gun. Speedlight, that is spelt S-P-E-E-D-L-I-T-E. Now, Canon uses the term speedlight, others might do as well, and it's a product name, it's Canon's name for a flash gun, and I'm okay with that. And then again, other people might use speedlight. I didn't really check. Possibly I should have done. Yes, you should, Rick. And then the speedlight, spell S-P-E-E-D-L-I-G-H-T, which is a more generic term for a flashlight. Now, that doesn't make sense at all. I mean, the brand name, fine, that doesn't matter, but as a generic term for something, doesn't make sense to me. Nope. But then again, thinking about it, there are much worse terms out there. It's not the end of the world, this one. But but a flash gun, I have a problem with that, because it's not a gun. It's just not a gun, but it does flash. So, 50-50 on that one. And you attach your speed light to your camera using the hot shoe, which isn't a shoe and it isn't hot. No, i covered that one before. No, the only word in this lot that makes sense is flash. Yeah, I covered hot shoe very briefly in the last episode. Neither a shoe nor hot. Move on, Rick. On an iPhone, it's called Flash, which makes sense. How about flashlight? Oh, no, no, that's a torch, isn't it? No, how about flash? That works fine. Okay, so get rid of all those other terms, and we'll call it a flash. Move on, Rick. Camera shake. I love this one. Now, camera shake is when you take a photo handheld and you do not get a sharp photo Because the camera moved when you took the photo. But is the camera actually shaking? Are you shaking? Do you have to be shaking for this to happen? No, of course you don't. And this one gets much, much worse as well, and this is a real surprise to me. You put camera shake into Google, and there are more references to adding camera shake than there are to stopping it from happening. Why would you ever want to add camera shake to a photo. It's just baffling. I mean, they're making out as though it's a cool thing to add to a photo. Camera shake is a mistake. You shouldn't be doing it. And my benchmark for all these terms... Blimey, I better slow down here. My benchmark for all these terms is that beginner photographer. So you hear about the term camera shake and its it's quite a common term. Yeah, you're going to hear it if you start getting into photography you get a bit confused, well you would be wouldn't you so you go to your search engine of choice and you put the term camera shake in and you get loads of results about what camera shake is but also loads of results for adding camera shake effects to photos so at the same time you're being told how to avoid camera shake that camera shake is a bad thing, that you shouldn't be doing it you should be technically better than getting camera shake and then other people are telling you how to add in camera shake. What chance does that person have? What chance? Okay, so while I'm on the subject, I might as well explain it. See, camera shake happens when you take a photo, and what's actually happening is the camera has moved faster than the camera shutter. So if you're taking a photo at, say, I don't know, one ten thousandth of a second and you move, There's a lot less chance of getting camera shake than if you take a photo handheld at, well, one sixtieth of a second. A lot less chance. Camera shake is when the camera moves faster than the shutter can open and close, causing a blurry photo, or a a photo that isn't sharp. And the general rule of thumb is this, to avoid camera shake when taking photos handheld, you should use a shutter speed that is faster than the reciprocal of the focal length. Yeah, another helpful photography explanation for you. And again, we've got focal length again. Hmm, let's not worry about that. But don't worry, this one isn't as bad as it seems. If you've got a focal length of 100mm, your shutter speed needs to be 1 1 100th of a second or faster. That's the bit you need to know. So you combine that with excellent image capture technique and you should be fine and produce shake-free photos. You could also use a tripod and get rid of the problem altogether. (laughs) Just saying. But camera shake is not caused by the camera or the photographer shaking. And that is why it is a stupid photography term. Right, stops. Well, stops, what's a stop? A stop is a halving or a doubling of the light. And there are three different things that directly affect the exposure. Aperture, shutter speed, and ISO, and I love all three of these terms, as you might know by now, and these three different things, these different values, they've all got completely different scales, and the numbers are completely different, but the halving or doubling applies if you know which bits you're looking at, so it's not as simple as we might hope. Someone somewhere decided that to help us we would have the term stop and it does make sense to do this to a point. So let me give you an example. You're taking the photo and the aperture and shutter speed values to give a correct exposure are f5.6 and 1 500th of a second. Now if you change the aperture from f5.6 to f8, which is your right to do so, f8 might be the sweet spot on your lens, This is a one-stop adjustment, making the aperture smaller by one stop, even though it's a bigger number. And that means you're reducing the amount of light getting through to the camera sensor by one half. So that is a one-stop adjustment. But you have the correct exposure before you change the aperture, and you change the aperture by one stop, so your photo will be overexposed. To correct this, you need to choose a shutter speed one stop slower a shorter exposure time doubling the amount of light getting through to the camera sensor. And that would be 1 250th of a second. And yes, I have to be careful writing these out because I quite often get them wrong. So a stop is a doubling or a halving of the light, but the term stop itself doesn't really make sense. What actually is the stop? I mean, we've got full stops, we've got bus stops, we've got, I don't know, All sorts of stops, but they're nothing to do with photography. So the term stop, is that stop down, step down? I'm not really sure where it came from. It doesn't matter. I haven't looked into it because I don't care. Okay, so stops was bad. Now let's try F-stop. F-stop. I had to go make a cuppa before getting stuck into this one when I was writing the script. And and I wrote in, in the script that this is going to be a separate episode in the new year. Now, that's sort of changed a bit now because I've had a better idea. So that is currently featuring about mid-July 2024 at the moment. And I've got no doubt it's going to drift further into oblivion, especially if what I'm planning to do happens and and takes off. Right, searching the Google for what are f-stops on a camera? And this this is one of the top answers. The F in f-stop stands for the focal length of the lens. Does it really? No wonder there's confusion. I mean, there is some truth in this, as the aperture value relates to the ratio of the lens focal length and the size of the opening in the lens, the aperture, but it doesn't help us take a photo. And this is where I started researching it, and I stopped myself, because it's not going to help me take better photos. Now, I was about to get into another right old mess of ratios, focal lengths, and numbers that have no real meaning to URI when we're taking a photo. So f-stop, that's f-dash-and-then-stop, is simply the aperture value, and that's the, the f2.8, the f4, etc. And that's small f forward slash-and-then-the-number. It's baffling stuff, isn't it? How have we got ourselves in this mess? Oh, typo alert, aperture has a P in it. Excuse me. All corrected. Aperture value is a better term. Now, I've covered aperture and aperture scale in the last episode, but for my benchmark person who's got into photography using the phone, this is another term that's just going to confuse, isn't it? And after stops, we really don't need f-stop, do we? Right, let's move on to something completely different. Fast lens. Fast lens. What? What's a fast lens, Rick? Well, it's a camera lens with a large maximum aperture. It allows you to use faster shutter speeds as the larger aperture lets more light in. Or you could do exactly the same by using a slower lens and putting the camera on a tripod. Or you could do exactly the same by choosing a higher ISO value. Now you might have noticed that I always change the aperture or the shutter and the ISO only if I have to if the other two things don't give me what I want. And there's a reason for that, which I've covered already in ISO. But a fast lens is not a fast lens. (laughs) No, it's not. And if you put fast lens into search engines, you'll get loads of info about, well, welding gear. (laughs) Welding gear, no less. No, a fast lens is not a fast lens. It's a lens with a larger maximum aperture. And it's bigger, heavier and more expensive, by the way. So a 50mm lens with a maximum aperture of f1.4 would be called a fast lens. The same lens with an aperture of f4 would be called a lens. It wouldn't be called a slow lens. And where does fast start and end? Is a 50mm f1.4 fast? Is a 50mm f2 fast? f2.8 fast? Or is it just faster because it's got a larger maximum aperture? It's not faster though, is it? There's no speed involved in this. There's no fast involved in it anywhere. So the term is nonsense. JPEG, almost reluctant to raise this, but but I'm going to. Now, I've got nothing at all against the good folk at the Joint Photography Experts group who created this file format so there was a universal file format for photos that anyone could use. That is to be applauded forever and a day. No problem with that. It's a service they've done to all of us. And I'm not trying to take this recognition away from them. Easy for you to say, Rick. But surely there is a better term for the universal file format. And to make it even worse, you'll find it also abbreviated to JPG as well. So not JPEG, but JPG. And then you get JPEG in capitals. Then it's capital J, small P, E, G. Um, and, and these things are all less than helpful, but they are all one and the same. The only difference between JPEG and JPG is the letter e, or or more likely, the lack of the letter e. Anyway, enough of that. I. I think I should be grateful for the standardisation rather than whinging on about it. Standardisation, don't get me started on ISO again though. Okay, so JPEG, yeah, if I was on Room 101 now I might let that one stay, but I'm not. RAW, Camera RAW, well RAW is a file format, as is JPEG. On the Canon 6D manual, it's referred to as an image quality setting. I mean, basically, a RAW photo has minimal processing done to it and it's not been compressed either. A JPEG file, however, has had processing done to the image and is compressed and and you can't undo the stuff that happens when you take a JPEG photo and that's why I use RAW, not JPEG. Now, a RAW file gives you the RAW data to work with, but when you take a photo in RAW and you look at it on your LCD screen, you're looking at a JPEG preview. How confusing is that? And the reason is, RAW files look rubbish until they've been edited. They're designed to look rubbish so you can do all the work yourself. Again, it's a term that could be better, but I guess it makes sense. So uh, as for JPEG, I think I might let this one go. But then again, if you're a newbie trying to get into photography, do RAW and JPEG make sense? Hmm. Of course they don't. You could have, um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to try and ad-lib an answer to that one because um, that's the road to ruin for me. That was the answer a bit. Here is the talky bit. Okay, I'm not belittling these terms and those who have gone before, those much cleverer folk than me who've, who've managed to get photography to where it is today, it's a technological wonder that I've loved for most of my life. So I need to get that one out of the way. And and I also get that many of these terms make sense and that they have evolved over the years and they've helped, like I say, to make photography what it is today. So all is fine. All these things have a place in time. And, and that's the point, really. Do these terms have a place in photography in 2023? I'm also not belittling mobile phone photography. If people want to take photos with the phones, then that's, of course, fine. Photos taken with phones are just as valid as those taken with cameras. It's what's in the photo and how the photo's taken that counts. And every year the gap closes between the quality of images you can create with a phone and a camera. But in 2023, I still use a camera to take photos and there is so much more you can get out of photography when you progress from a phone to a camera. And yesterday I was taking some photos of a finished building and I took some with my phone and I didn't enjoy it. And that's with my sparkling new iPhone 15 Pro another technological wonder but it's still not the same trying to get all the verticals aligned to get the composition right it's not the same as using a camera i'm sorry it just isn't so i want people to progress with their photography and i want them to move beyond phones but but we've got to make it easy for people and this is my real problem with these terms the barrier stopping people from going further into photography and if we don't make photography more accessible to non-photographers, photography it's going to end up being phones only. No, we need to give people easier access to photography, plain and simple. Now, do we want that? Do we want phones to be the only devices to take photos with? Well, I don't know. Is it that bad? I mean, for me at the moment, yes, I still need my camera. But do we want cameras to just completely die away? Well. It's one to talk about, isn't it? Now, traditionalists hang on to these terms. I mean, I still do, but at least as a traditionalist myself, I can see that these terms are confusing and contradicting and, and I long for something simpler. Photography is a genius, brilliant thing that we need to make more accessible to more people. That's the point. And remember the benchmark, which, I well, in my script, I say I've probably said this too many times, but actually I'm taking that back. It's an important point. Someone taking photos with a phone, where they simply take the phone out of the pocket, bag, whatever, and take a photo. Why would they need a camera? Why would they ever need to be able to do any more than they already do? And as the tech develops and evolves, and as AI kicks in and grows, are we in danger of losing photography as an art form to digital technology? See, these are problems, aren't they? But on the other side, there are those who, as AI and tech evolve, crave the old days, the simpler days, the days when we humans were the creative force. And I'm one of those people. But I don't want to hang on to exposure triangle, mirrorless camera, DSLR camera, high dynamic range, exposure triangle, noise, ISO, that kind of stuff. Now, I want to take the best photos that I can with the minimum fuss and effort using the best gear that I can do and the best techniques. See there'll always be a demand for photographs taken not only by professional photographers but also as mere normal people whilst photos of things of beauty can be created by machines they're just not the same, and a machine cannot appreciate a good photo the same way a human can unless unless I'm wrong and machines have been taught human emotions but again it's still Programmed by something, so I I don't know. I can get in a right old mess when we go going too deeply into AI, which is which is why I don't. Photography is an art form that needs to be protected and updated to make it attractive to people in 2023 and belong. A photo is a work of art. I mean, well, it should be, shouldn't it? And I don't mean an artificially created one. Hmm, that's an interesting thought to finish on, isn't it? Okay, that's my thirty-one. or 30 stupid photography terms done okay so this is what happened i had image stabilization in there but i took it out not because i can't say it because i was okay with it in the end and when you put that next to apsc f-stop exposure triangle and all that other not so good stuff it seemed almost wrong to bring image stabilization to the stupid photography terms party so i took it out Right, what if I use my phone to take photos and not a camera? You only care about most of this stuff if you want to go from using your phone to taking photos with a camera. You know, if you want to look into buying a camera, and that's when your problems begin. And that's why I'm writing this stuff. This is why I'm banging on about this stuff. You only care about most of this stuff if you want to go from using your phone to take photos to buying a camera to take photos with. And that is why I'm writing this stuff. This is why I'm banging on about this stuff. See, each of these terms is a potential blocker to someone getting more into photography, and that is a bad thing. But if you use your phone to take photos, you might not care about this stuff. You take photos with your phone, and if you're happy with that, you're happy with that. Nothing wrong with it. Fair play to you. What if I use a film camera? Well, JPEG and RAW aside, it all applies. These terms probably made more sense in the pre-digital age thinking about it. Yes, people, there was a time before digital stuff and I'm old enough to remember it. Well, I can just about remember it. I have trouble remembering yesterday, if I'm being honest with you. While these terms would have made more sense, they sure don't now. Well, not as much, do they? OK, what do I do? Well, I explain stuff and I'm trying to make photography more accessible in 2023 and beyond. Before photography, is camera phones and no more. And talking of what do I do, I photograph buildings. I specialise in real estate photography, architectural photography and construction photography. And I write and talk about photography. But I still take my commercial photographs with a camera. I have never issued a photo taken with a phone to a client. And that is what I do. Some thoughts from the last episode, which was episode 169, 11 more stupid photography terms that don't make sense. Well, you've probably got the idea by now, haven't you? I think I've said enough. But if there's a stupid photography term that you don't like that I've not covered, let me know. I'm more than happy to do a follow-up episode in 2024 with all the stuff I've missed, forgotten, or didn't even know about. And I feel a bit mean for having a pop-up street photography, to be honest. No offence street photographers out there, okay? Right, next episode. Next episode, coming out in 2024. My plan for the future of photography. Something different, update the terms and make it more accessible to people, part one intro. (laughs) That's a working title at the moment. So it's going to be something to do with the future of photography. And then I've got 10 episodes, one after another, on Photography Basics. Yeah, I'm going to get right back to the be- beginning of how to get into photography. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. I can't wait to get stuck into it. But this future of photography thing, the, the intention behind it is that I take this stuff that I've ridiculed and I fix it all and come up with answers that take photography forwards in the future. That's my plan. Right ask me a question. If you have a question you would like me to answer, the best way to do so is to head over to the Photography Explained podcast website, which is photographyexplainedpodcast.com forward slash start, where you can find out what to do. And feel free just to say hi, it would be lovely to hear from you, whatever you want to say. Okay, I'm done. Right, well, this episode <laughs> was brought to you by a cheese and pickle sandwich and a bag of cheese and onion crisps washed down with an ice-cold Coke Zero before I settled in my homemade the cushioned recording emporium. Yes, I've run out of salt and vinegar crisps and I've run out of diet Pepsi, so I had to go to my contingency food. Enough of that nonsense. I've been Rick McAvoy. Thanks again very much for listening to my small but perfectly formed podcast, it says here and for giving me 27-ish minutes of your valuable time. Now, I reckon this episode will be about 24, 25 minutes long after I've edited out the mistakes and other bad stuff. Take care, stay safe, cheers from me, Rick.